Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. React in a positive way. We need positivity for this second half. Positivity, believe, positivity, believe. 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 Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. This is the seventh in a series of All or Nothing Watch Along specials. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, who has no time to touch his balls, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. That's me. <laughs> uh, before we start, um, I will just plug our Patreon. We we launched a Patreon last week, uh, four and a half days ago. We have 150 sign-ups. So thank you to the ex-subs who have signed up already, who are already the uh, recipients of one of Nathan's famous videos, plus a bonus episode, uh, plus access to the fantasy football league that we're running and various blog posts and whatnot Bardi wrote a lovely blog about uh guests we'll get into that another day but yeah Yeah, you could probably guess there we go that's the end of the patreon plug-in for this Mm. this podcast don't want to go too much about it um if you haven't watched episode seven of amazon's all or nothing series about tottenham hotspur we suggest that you do so now if you plan to do so because we're going to spoil all of that episode if you've got no intention of watching it that's fine crack on let us uh spoil it for you and if you have watched it then hopefully this will supplement your viewing this one is called no regret the blurb is four months into the job and Jose Mourinho finds himself in the middle of a difficult run of results with the team facing the knockout stages of two competitions academy graduate Harry Winks handed the captain while goalkeeper Michelle Vaughan gets his first start of the season with wins hard to come by friends Delhi and Eric Dyer have a full and frank exchange following a loss and this one covers the time period 19th of February to the 4th of March which the uh, which is the Norwich FA Cup game. Uh, this one opens on uh, a stadium shot pre RB Leipzig. It's half time, nil nil. The players are going down the tunnel, and the opening line is "There is work to do for Tottenham." We see Mourinho making notes in his notebook. Delhi comes into the changing room and he says, "Fucking want the ball, play. Fucking smashing it long and defending. Stop fucking dogging it." And Nathan, what do you mean by dogging it? Um, dogging is when you and your wife drive. To, <laughs> I don't know what he means by that. <laughs> Um, does he? Is that just like? Is that just launching it long? Like like dogging the ball? As in, I don't. What is? Where does that come from? How does? How do you arrive at dogging I, or like sending? Yeah, I didn't understand the parlance. I was hoping you, as a young person, might be mm. able to explain it to me, an old person. Mm. But instead, okay. you've just um, referenced dogging in relation to <laughs> a, a married couple. Um, yeah, why and, a married couple? You, you kind it, of implied that yeah. me and my wife. I mean, I don't have a wife, so just to clarify, yeah. I've never been dogging in my life. No. I have no intention. Of dogging i disagree <laughs> chris is married and him and his wife go dogging every <laughs> thursday nights are free now so Mourinho stands up and he said any results if we don't concede goals is a good result he's very focused on not not conceding goals very focused on not conceding goals surprise surprise yeah so there's this comment by delhi who's saying let's have the ball let's play with the ball let's have possession and then Mourinho's like well let's not get carried away like we don't want to concede any goals is there like and again this is like a matter of editing but 
is there like a contrast of ideas there or or is that just that's just my kind of uh, cynical reading on it I, I think perhaps the players are still adjusting to uh, his first priorities not to concede goals type mentality maybe uh, he, he tells them to cope after after making mistakes he's a, that's something he comes back to time and time again cope with the pressure cope with mistakes and this is where he makes the comment there is no time to touch your balls in fact he makes it twice so I, I didn't really understand um, quite what he meant by that Bardi did you have any thoughts I've been, I've been thinking about Mourinho and his balls quite a lot <laughs> and this morning on my I went for a run with my wife who we went running through the forest not, dog, park. not dogging in the forest <laughs> and as I was running along to her so so I, I asked her quite surprisingly about about the use of balls and the way it's used in South American and Latin terminology and then I was also thinking the way the Italians use it as well and like you've got to have the, you've got to have your balls cojones and in the, in the, in the Spanish cojones in Colombian Spanish guevas you've got to have the guevas to go out and do it and I was just thinking Mourinho his obsession with balls I, I, I think it's one of those really bad examples of translating how you would speak in Latin in, in, in a Latin language reverting it to English and it just seems really bad and I like my wife said that her and her friends would use the term balls like let's let's do it who's got the balls to do this whereas we in English would say have you got the guts have you yeah. got the stomach for it so then I, I asked her would you say that would you say you've got the guts or the stomach for it and she was like no it's just not something we would do so I'm not defending the use of balls I don't agree with the use of balls <laughs> as a way but I think I think it's Mourinho's literal translation of how he would talk in Portuguese or when, even in Spanish or Italian is they're very much balls focused but getting back away from his balls into the football we were whacking at Delhi I thought they edited that clip really well that it made it seem like we actually had a chance against Leipzig whereas we yeah. were <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were pretty much punished for the whole match and get, getting out losing just 1-0 was an, was an absolutely cracking result so um, yeah so that was me defending the balls and talking about some really good editing by Amazon though. So we see Delhi put the ball down the ball down on the centre circle <laughs> and the credits roll um, it restarts on the match highlights there is the mischance Spurs for uh, Ben Davis concedes a penalty which Werner scores uh, there were an unusual amount of match highlights I thought relative to the rest of the show quite lengthy highlights for this one uh, for, for a 1-0 a fairly predictable 1-0 we're then back at the training ground Daniel Levy's on the phone whilst the players train the implication being he's trying to get deals done I think uh, and Levy says it's difficult for a manager to arrive mid-season he explains how far we've fallen you know going from the Champions League final to the largest net spend he's happy to get the, the net spend in there uh, and he mentions how Pochettino is no longer with us we've had injuries he says we've underperformed to date relative to the quality in our squad but we still have 25% of the season left to play <laughs> it's very kind of uh, numbers man way of, mm-hmm. of looking at things I've never heard of the season broken down into fractions or percentage for Bardi what do you think of Levy here it's very much going into a, a development review at work talking yeah. about the stuff you've you've done and trying to defend what you haven't done then saying oh I can get the rest of this done in the rest of my year I, let's try and achieve these objectives in quarter four exactly your manager's been very positive but we, we're it's, a lot of it is Mourinho um, Mourinho Levy defending himself and trying to give trying to give reasons for the problems that we're facing yeah agreed uh, he, he says we have to have a highly competitive team we have to play with style interestingly he focused on that 
and we have to challenge every competition that we're in to the very best. Yeah, it doesn't seriously believe that. I mean, I think it's probably something he has to say. He knows we have to prioritise certain competitions over others. Um, during this section, Mourinho is then writing on a tactics notepad, and the two things that I've picked out, I'm interested to hear what you guys have got, are firstly that Ryan Sessegnon is listed as Deputy Son on the left. Uh, Bergvine is not listed at all at that point, so I thought the, the, the clip must have actually been pre-Bergvine's arrival. They're printed pads, by the way, with um, the, the names are, are pre-printed, not written. And the other thing was that Wanyama is listed as the first name of the central midfielder on, on the right, with Sissoko and Skip beneath him, which I thought was intriguing. Did, did either of you pick up anything from that tact pad? I missed this visual. There's a note, There was a notepad earlier in the episode, mm. like right at the beginning of the Leipzig one, and it's just like complete gibberish. It, it, <laughs> there's, there's the vague semblance of some, I believe, English words written there, but like it's 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 really doctor's handwriting. It looks like it shorthand. Might, there might be shorthands. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I thought it was I, I, yeah. I'm getting to. I, I'm get. I was getting to the point with that where I'm giving up trying to read what the hell he's writing at any time. Um, it took me ages and ages and ages in a previous episode to recognise where he'd written Winks and Lacelso, where obviously Winks and Lacelso would be on a tactics <laughs> board. So I struggle. I struggle with his handwriting. Mm. Um, and the Wan Yama one's interesting because it's like, yeah, if you if the club were like one of a handful of teams in the background that you weren't paying much attention to in the past, you might go, well, this team clearly needs a defensive midfielder, and they do have Wanyama who was really good a couple of years ago so I'll go in and I'll get him playing and then you arrive at the club and you realise that his knees have exploded entirely and he can't run anymore and he's just Wanyama throughout the documentary is just this like extra he's just like he has cameo appearances in social scenes but he's like never referred to never acknowledged his transfer is not part of the story he's never like acknowledged by name he's just like a guy who hangs out at the club if you're like not an actual fan of Spurs he's like oh who's that face even Alfie Whiteman had talking parts now. <laughs> uh, so uh, Levy says that Mourinho has been a class act. He's obsessed in a positive way with winning. Um, so I'm not sure if it is that positive for Mourinho's mental health, but there we go. Um, we we have another defeat this time against Chelsea, massively glossed over. Like yeah. just it's happened and that's it. There's no focus on that. I thought that was intriguing. And we're back in the tactics room. Mourinho and his staff are trying to engage the players. What they've done is put a video in the dressing room on loop of all of the goals conceded. But some of the players have switched off the video, and he's doing this thing where. He's, he's laughing about it but he's clearly a bit pissed off um, but he moves on quickly uh, sorry Bardi go on yeah I mean I think did Nathan did you do that did you make one of those videos where it showed all our goals which we've conceded <laughs> or did you did you share it because it's pretty hard to watch and I mean it's not me they're having digs at so I can imagine how difficult it was to, to sit through all of that I, I no, there, there was a video along those lines going around uh, about like defensive errors uh, at the end of last season or something mm. complaining about the players um this this was like this was clearly like a trap, right? He's he's looking for a specific reaction of them, you know, looking away or turning off the TV, which is is of course what you would do, so that he can then dig them out for that and saying, you know, you've got to take responsibility. Like it's a bit it's a bit lame. It's a bit of an obvious sort of setup um, to which you know human beings had a very human reaction, but whatever, whatever. I, I my main takeaway was that it's not very positivity belief, positivity belief. It's more sure. kind of you're instilling the. Next 
negatives there. He's, his whole mantra is just constantly like bigging him up, telling him to believe, telling him to be positive, cope with pressure and be better and, and go and do better. So you'd, you'd think that he'd be showing more uplifting um, videos. Buddy, what did you think? I mean, I I think this is the first time where Mourinho's actually spoken about players positioning and where they are on the pitch and communicating with each other other than just kind of shouting at each other and geeing each other up. So I think I think it was nice. I think it's probably the most tactical episode we, we've had so far and it's just basically talking about occupying space and stuff but um I, I mean, I I can see why he did it. And I thought it was one of the more insightful things we've seen from Mourinho talking to the team. For sure. And the bit you reference is the, the bit that follows, which is this continued team meeting where he highlights the goals conceded against RB Leipzig and Chelsea, where he's basically saying that mistakes did happen, but it wasn't the individuals who seemed to be at fault who were necessarily mm. at fault. There are other errors within those moves. What did you think of this, Nathan? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting that this was maybe the most tactically interesting, revealing, episode because what we what we learned very recently in an interview with Sky is that Mourinho acknowledged that he told Amazon not to show his tactical ideas mm. he told them he you know he had an arrangement with Amazon that he was you know allow them to be in the dressing room etc etc as long as they didn't um you know <laughs> make the documentary interesting as far as I'm concerned uh but we we are getting a little bit but it's also like when you do see some of the more tactical stuff it's dressed up in the idea of you know you're not trying hard enough mm. you're not giving it all for the team you're not being switched on when actually it is that but it's also awareness of space etc etc yep absolutely uh we see ben davis talking about Mourinho being uh, the kind of manager who tells you straight and davis says that he wants to work for a manager who tells you this is what you do which i i found quite interesting everyone's got different learning styles some people like to be told specifically you need to do x y or z better others like to be um shown how to do things others like sort of more subtle feedback what's your what's your learning style bard um, probably kind of making mistakes and then learning from it that way and yeah trying to self-teach myself from making errors always trying to improve um, I fully believe in making mistakes and getting better that way you can't do everything perfect I think um, Ben Davies has been excellent throughout this and I've, I've enjoyed his little kind of insightful talks and pieces to camera I think he I think he's come across very well as a as a as a guy and as someone who thinks a little bit differently about the about football mm-hmm. Def- definitely agree uh, we see Adverald saying that there's more pressure on us with Mourinho's style meaning the players he says if you want to achieve things you have to work a team uh, we see Sacramento showing how the front four have to contribute to defence but again you know parroting what Mourinho's been saying that they have to put in extra effort uh, Mourinho says it's not just a tactical organisation it's not just the game plan it's also a state of mind it's only possible when the team defends well and really to have pleasure in playing for the clean sheet the same way you have pleasure to score goals Nathan do you have uh, do you take as much pleasure from clean sheets as you do for scoring goals <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, none of it is wrong. Like, it, that's all, of course that's true, and of course that's been an issue this season. It's just, like, that's not a unique, that's not unique to Jose Mourinho. That's not unique to any football club. That's not unique to any tactical style. But I feel like there's this implication that there is, that this is something that these players are learning for the first time, um, which grates with me a little bit. I mean, we had some fantastic defensive records under Pochettino before it all went tits up. So next we have an academy section, which um, obviously I was very, very pleased to see. Levy introduces the project of the academy, saying we need to have a production line of players to add sustainability. He introduces the world-class facility, as I've heard it called so many times. He says the next part of Jigsaw is how you get that talent potentially into the first. <laughs> and not in Portugal and scattered elsewhere across Europe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And Harry Winks is introduced um, as a, a player who has come through the academy. And we see him signing being absolutely adorable with a boy who appears to have Down syndrome. And that's really lovely. We see Mario talking to Daniel Levy. He talks about how much Harry Winks has improved. He used to pass laterally a lot, but improved in that. And uh, Levy is just absolutely flabbergasted at how much Harry Winks runs, which <laughs> I found really amusing. Um, and he's like, yeah, he must run a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he runs a fine amount. That's <laughs> definitely a thing central midfielders do um winks is talking about how his dad was a semi-pro i uh, was a spurs fan he talks to his first memory of going to watch spurs playing against middlesbrough he speaks about the emotional attachment for him coming through the academy as a spurs fan where he says that you know winning is better for him but losing is worse because he's got that emotional attachment he talks to his first england cap where he says i was absolutely shitting myself to be honest which is definitely going to become a reusable mm. meme uh and then we see winks and gary mabbitt's walking into what appears to be a day center or a care home and i absolutely loved this section in terms of like being one of the better instances of the the propaganda pr machine Mm -hmm. i I thought harry winks was a complete and utter natural at communicating with with older people he just seemed like he threw himself straight into challenge and was really genuine really natural with them and uh there was this lovely moment where one of the ladies says you're gorgeous harry and he (laughs) kind of doesn't quite know where to look and he says something like you are too or something something (laughs) like that It's, it's really Really sweet. Um, Nathan, how did you find this section? I'm really, really bad at like um, holding conversations with children, holding conversations with uh, older people, holding conversations with people with special needs. So I'm always really impressed when I see someone handling it just fine. I'm always always horrified and worried I'm going to do something terrible and say the wrong thing or be rude or drop the baby or whatever. (laughs) So so, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, impressive. Yeah, he he just seems like a very sort of gregarious, pleasant person in this um, yeah. situation. I used to volunteer for Age UK and um, the older generation are not always that easy to communicate with, sometimes because they can't always understand what you're saying because they can't necessarily hear you really well and you know they don't always understand the, the context when you're talking about things. There are huge differences here. Winks is, is young and this lady's probably in their 70s or 80s. He does a great job. He's just absolutely lovely. Mm. Buddy, what did you think? I can't believe how fully coy is that old people's home is. They all, they, <laughs> they yeah. all support Spurs. They all used to go to the to the games. I, I, I want to end quite, my days there. Yeah, I, can you imagine just throwing their fucking like, throwing their their plates at the table when we lose? It'd be brilliant. <laughs> just throwing your nappy at the, at the properly losing your shit. Not like Coy's Twitter does. Like properly losing it. I thought um, I thought it was really sweet. I loved the bit with the old boot and the new boot. And oh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, said, yeah, the bit where oh, you're gorgeous. It, it was really nice, and you could see um, and you could see how much it means to him and how much Tottenham is how much it means to his family and no one no one celebrates Tottenham goals quite like Harry Winks there's a there's I think there's a few videos going around to lose mine I'm picturing the three of us in this this old folks home together when we're when we're ripe and old narrowing away about the old times of Spurs me with a uh, a box full of Prince 
out of tactical sheets just boring the hell out of some young lad who's come to visit <laughs> over back back in my day what we used to do was <laughs> football's changed in my day yeah. it was totally different we didn't have we didn't have these virtual reality things we had notepads and laptops yeah i remember when pressing was invented <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um we then see uh the wolves game so winks is captain for this game so you can see why they've you know decided to to slot in this harry wink section here uh, his team talk seems to be they played three days ago so let's fucking press them and um, you, sometimes when you look at these these guys who are captain and they've got to give these kind of monumental speeches and like how good they are with timing and everything else like that but Winks starts his speech just as the bell goes off yeah. that never happened to Harry Harry was always <laughs> there ready dropping the F-bombs before the bell Winks you can't hear him he's like <laughs> Winks you by mute. the bell yeah you're on mute mate but can't hear you bless him the inexperience of uh, mm. captaincy just caught him off off guard uh so we're 2-1 up at half time in this game where Doherty called walls um and Winks comes in he says brilliant keep that fucking intensity Mourinho says there are no tactical problems we're in control but we made mistakes we need to kill mistakes this is his thing cannot make mistakes and he talks about how fast wolves are on transitions how intense they are they're going to keep up the intensity he says we cannot be caught out in uh, counter-attack by position. He talks about Tanganga and Davis essentially doubling up on the left as, as two left-backs because he says Wolves have two right-wingers. Um, Piotr makes it two all before Jimenez curls in a winner. It's a really frustrating defeat, this one. And um, Denny's walking down the tunnel with a face like thunder. He says three of the worst goals I've ever seen in my life. And uh, Dyer calls him out in the dressing room for his moans and saying, you know, put a name on it. If, if you're, if you're going to call us out, tell us who Who's doing? Who's doing what wrong? In your opinion, and Delhi's like, it's the whole team. Do you want me to list the whole team out? And they end up having a, a bit of an argument about it. It's, you know, it's nothing too vicious, but just a falling out, I suppose. Nathan, what did you think of that? This is really interesting. Obviously, people sort of deal with defeat and process it in different ways, and you can see the clash mm-hmm. of of sort of um, coping mechanisms here between the two of them. And they do definitely argue in the way that friends who deeply care for each other do, and that they're ha- they're very comfortable mm-hmm. being very direct and honest with each other when they do clash but i i i guess i'm more in dyer's camp mm-hmm. I, I i completely understand that the way some people would deal with that is to vocalize their frustrations as a means of processing it but if you're in the room with him and also if like you're a defender and he's an attacker and he's saying why do we uh, fucking we keep conceding these shit goers and like you're the center half um you can see it if i think from dyer's perspective it feels very performative from delhi it feels very um and yeah i mean dyer makes it clear that delhi is a sort of implying uh, through the vocalization of his frustration that that it's not his fault that he that he has the right to be frustrated at others um and that's why he's being so vocal with his frustration because other people have let him down that's not necessarily the way that that delhi means it but it's very understandable how Dyer would would see it that way, um, which is what leads to that that conversation. I you know this is this is more of sort of the stuff I'm more interested to see in the documentary, which is something something real, something behind the scenes and, and genuine and, and honest. Mourinho mm-hmm. um, tells them that he's pleased they've reacted like this. He says that the reason we lost is that we are two good guys, and I think what he means by that is that we're too nice. Another saying we're too nice to collect. And he talks about Wolves making fouls to stop transitions. Again, that's something we've seen him hint at before. Uh, he says the goals are all transitions. You have to be nasty. You have to be aggressive. You have to be 
you clever, you have to make the foul. And how do you feel about that? But Bardi, do you think that's the only reason we were losing? I think this is probably a problem with Spurs for quite quite some time now. We are to we do allow we do allow teams to get through us, and all three goals all three goals were part of that. Had there been a foul earlier on in 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 the attack, it would never have happened. And I think we see that when when we played Red Bull away, and we see it quite often from the better teams that they don't allow an attack to build. Whereas Spurs, we seem to always defend the attack right at the at the at the end of it, right in front of our goal instead of stopping it earlier on. I think I think Jose is, is very right to, to call that out and I, I think it's something that we need to improve on. I think I think moving through the documentary I do see us picking up more yellow cards and perhaps we, we do learn from that. I don't I don't agree. I I I just I we've we've committed our fair share. Maybe not last season, um, but going back over the last five years, we've committed a lot of tactical fouls mm. and picked up a lot of yellow cards. Um, maybe maybe more historically, maybe going back further than that. But I this this is a continuation of the same thing about us being too nice. Um, I just I really struggle with the idea of it because I'm I'm not I'm not that convinced it's true. Yeah, I I agree. It's I don't believe in the whole nice thing, but I think there's plenty of plenty of goals where. We we can see them from a situation that we could have stopped earlier on had a tactical foul, which is not necessarily about being a bad person or being a nice person, just being a smarter person. And I think this niceness is about Tottenham trying to be smarter than just being big bullies. We see Delhi and Dyer talking about how they cope with losses. Dyer says he can't switch off from a defeat. He plays it over and over in his mind. Uh, then we see the first team accommodation at the lodge where Dyer, Sessegnon, Bergwijn and Delhi are playing FIFA. And Delhi is feeding Dyer. Haribo which was really quite amusing uh, in the voiceover you have um, Delhi saying I feel like my teammates here are just like a family and I'd call every one of them my friend and Dyer saying if I have a good connection with people off the pitch I feel like our connection on it is so much better um, that I found that interesting uh, because on the one hand you've got Dyer saying if I have a good connection with my teammates I'm better on the pitch whereas Mourinho is sort of trying to tell them to get into each other all the time which is presumably mm. going to disrupt that good connection to some degree um, so a bit of a interesting tension there Dyer sort of jokingly storms out of the, hmm. the game of FIFA uh, who was it was it Dyer I forget who it was it says they don't they don't play FIFA at home I think it was Dyer it says I don't play it's FIFA Dyer. at home but I yeah. always come and bring my game or something and he's expected yeah. to win and then he just loses yeah he gets pumped <laughs> that's very Eric Dyer all around I think you know he and he knows that he's about to lose and he's playing up because he's he's making you know he's making good fun of it it's really it's a really good scene obviously cool. we'd seen most of this scene I think before they sort of did it as a teaser trailer thing um, it's it's really nice you know placement after the the argument you see them you know mm. being best mates for sure sure uh, we see Sacramento go to see Jan Vertonghen in the canteen and he asks why the team is conceding <laughs> so many goals and Vertonghen says we're missing a trigger which I thought was quite interesting and Sacramento just sort of seems to stare into space it <laughs> doesn't add anything doesn't imply <laughs> anything you know maybe that's one of those circumstances where Mourinho's agreement not to show tactics played out yeah I think so maybe I think so I don't think the response to a tactical question is silence from the assistant manager it was if it weird. is then <laughs> and i think um i think we learn a little bit there we miss from Vatonga. maybe the trigger is we lack that kind of defensive midfielder to organize the team in front of the defense maybe it's a point towards that as well but yeah the, the, it was a, it was a strange um it was a strange clip throwing so my takeaway from that is that the word trigger is quite a specialist word in football, and that someone who's using the word trigger particularly someone who uses who speaks english as a second language 
is mm. probably referring to pressing trigger. That's that was my inference on that, but I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah. yeah. No. No. I, I I completely strongly agree. It, it's not necessarily a press. It could be like when the line steps up. Mm. It could be when the line drops deep. Uh, it could be centre backs moving into wide areas. Um, whatever. It's, it's a trigger for a specific action. It's it's a, it's a tactical question to which we are then cut to a clip of Sacramento staring in space. I don't think that that was his response. Um, then we have Sacramento talking about what it's like after a defeat and he says it's a week of work gone it's the moment where you need to reflect about what happened so he's he's there to sort of analyze all the bad things and uh tell the team how to improve on that next time round. which happens to be the fa cup against norwich yay um we see Mourinho telling wink not to vacate his space in the midfield he's basically saying you know if you drift wide the problems form we see vorm and the reefs and lamella watching training and enjoying it uh vorm is playing in this game and he is surprised he's surprised he's <laughs> <Yeah>. playing <laughs> He says 14 months and it's long. I mean, the, this entire section is for going, why am I playing this game? Why have I been selected? He's literally, there's a, there's a clear implication that he's saying, look, guys, I my playing days are over. I'm really just here to train, pick up a check and maybe transition into coaching. I'm not really not sure what you're expecting from me on the pitch here. There's no, he's, there's no like, yes, finally I'm getting a game. I've been waiting for this for so long. There's no like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make second place my own. I'm looking forward to being in the cups next season. It's like, yeah, for some reason they want me to play yeah. this game. <laughs> That's Vorm's take, but Nuno Santos's take is that Michelle has to play because he's able to offer something different. No, it's, I mean I'm I'm mental. losing all faith in Santos. So, so... <laughs> He showing the he shows the penalty save again. I'm I'm losing all faith in him. And Vaughan was surprised. You know, it's such a bad state of affairs when when a player, a professional player, is surprised they're going to be starting the game. It's ridiculous. I can no, I can't even get why they did it. Because... You can imagine the conversation where Santos approached Michelle Vaughan and said, uh, "Michelle, I'm I'm planning to play you in, in the next game." He, he probably assumes it's a wind up. He probably what? like <laughs> me for real. But we've got Paolo. He's fine. He's the backup. Well, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's. he's not fine he's rubbish as well but he's not <laughs> as rubbish yeah it's, 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 it's i don't even know why they showed that clip because all it does is just re- it just lays yeah. bare the, the stupidity of that decision and and we as we go to learn it ultimately cost us so i think this whole documentary has been a bit of a puff right been very pro sure. been very pro spurs no, windy. Uh, <laughs> however this section is absolutely savage because you get fans talking about winning a trophy you get Mourinho saying you you know, we need good energy, dire, be aggressive. Uh, Vertonghen, this has to be our tournament. And you're like, they're really bigging this up. They really like, are we going to win? Are we going to win the cup here? Is Spurs going to, that's what you'd be thinking if you were someone who doesn't follow football. They're actually going to do it. Like this genius is going to come into the club that he always wins a trophy in his first season. He's actually going to do it with his completely broken squad. So um, obviously knowing what happens, this really felt like they went to town on uh, on the pre-match stuff. It's 1-0 through Vertonghen. Um, Mourinho stays in his seat. I remember that. I remember remember Mourinho didn't celebrate that goal he perhaps knew that uh, it's too early to be getting excited we see Vaughan with some dodgy handling which um, that, there's more of that later it's half time and Mourinho says we were almost collapsing almost but we didn't he tells them again that they need to cope he tells them to score to kill the game but if the goal doesn't come you don't concede and then of course Michelle Vaughan spills one and Dermot scores the rebound uh, you get a flash forward of Vaughan talking about how disappointing it was he said it's such a delicate position goalkeeper and uh, he said in your mind you feel alone i thought um we've, we've sort of had a few bits of, of goalkeepers talking about the pressures on that position throughout this yeah i mean it really does hammer it home we all know it but we, it really does hammer it home it's 
insane. You can make 10 good saves. I think Vorm says this. You can make 10 good saves mm. and then you make one mistake and that's the one that's going to cost you a goal and be remembered mm. and it is tough. It's, and for him to say in your mind you feel alone, just mental pressure must be insane. The psychological burden you have to carry after a mistake as a goalkeeper is next level. Back to the match and we have extra time, we have penalties. Uh, it was horrendous reliving these penalties again. I, I remember very well watching them the first time around. I didn't need them again, frankly, but no. the documentary goes into a lot of detail. Uh, poor Jedson with his weird stuttery run up and then the camera just focuses on him with the Norwich bench behind him going mad and he just looks broken. Dyer hugs him um, and, and Lamella is once again kicking off in the, de- in the dressing room as ever. Um, and then, of course, the big incident from that day, Eric Dyer runs towards the stands and, you know, we know what, we know how it pans out, but the coaching team are discussing it and Sacramento is watching a video of the incident in the coaching room. He says, he lost his brain, eh? You cannot do that. <laughs> Moves down to the dressing room and Dyer's there saying, fucking bellend. I don't know if he's talking about the, I presume he's talking about the bloke who uh, confronted his brother, but perhaps he's talking about himself. Mm. Um, Vorm tells Dyer that his brother's in there and asks if he's okay. And Dyer says what happened. He explains that he was looking for his brother and there was a guy a couple of rows in front of his brother shouting abuse. And he's just like, these people think they can say what they like and it's okay kind of thing. I just, I mean, we were very much team Dyer on this whole issue, but it made us love him even more. It was it was brilliant seeing this kind of raw emotion straight after the incident. Barney, what did you think? Yeah, it was good to get, I mean, we kind of guessed what happened, but it was good to get some context on it because Spurs didn't really talk in depth about it and we didn't really hear much about it other than the rumours and everything else. And I still agree, you can't, I still agree with what Sacramento says, you can't do that, eh? I still, <laughs> as, as much as I back diet, there is still a line and you're still a professional. I didn't, it probably happens, but I don't think you'd see an actor on the West End just charge into the crowd and start <laughs> lump, lumping someone if they were terrible. I love Eric Diet, passion for that. I mean, but it's still completely wrong but it was great to get the human side of it and we have Mourinho in the press conference Mm. after the incident and I must admit it reminded me of just how well he handled that I really thought his response to the media were excellent however the bit we did see which we hadn't seen before was as he walks out he says but he did wrong and that is the final word of of this episode Um, Nathan thoughts on on the incident and Mourinho's handling well he's he's doing the the like the double speak thing which is growing to be a consistent theme throughout the show Uh, but he's doing it here in a, the media facing capacity where he's saying look Eric Dyer did what we all would have done Eric Dyer did the completely moral thing Eric Dyer did the very reasonable and understandable thing but technically professionally as my job I have to say the words what he did was wrong because otherwise I'll get in trouble with the FA so I'd have done it you'd have done it it was the right thing to do also it was the wrong thing to do uh, I found this episode such a slog it was just basically 45 minutes perhaps more of us losing and being shit and being angry and being upset and fighting fans and I think the thing that struck me throughout this episode was the sort of lack of obvious guidance from the coaching staff but Sacramento is portrayed here and again I reiterate it could be that the tactics staff are stripped out but he's being portrayed as being a bit short of ideas uh, when perhaps we need someone like him the most he's you know, he's the younger guy he's the man that's meant to be integrating with the squad getting to know them and, and being Mourinho's link with the squad and he just seems to come up a bit short whereas Mourinho is just focused solely on mentality trying harder not conceding but where's the plan for if you do concede where's the plan for what happens if there's a problem right and again maybe that's all stripped out and we're not privy to it but that's the way it comes across in the kind of the way that the narrative plays out on the plus side thoroughly enjoyed uh harry wink doing all of his pr duty uh, he seems like a really nice person and that was that was great uh Barney, what did you think i mean this was never going to be a good episode where we kind of face the fact that our season is falling apart and the only thing we were clinging on to was the fa cup uh but yeah it, it was it was painful 
difficult and it kind of sums up when you've got Dyer and Delhi fighting the Dyer fighting fans and everybody wanting to punch each other and it's yeah it was it was it was hard to watch but I I did I did enjoy the bit where we were talking about the goals we conceded I thought that was at last a little bit of insight but Sacramento really didn't come out of this well sat in the changing room his legs wide open <laughs> talking about a week of work gone what what work what have you done other than yeah what have you done other than just stare into space you literally asked would, Tongan what, what to do yeah it would be nice if um, if we could see a glimpse of this work you don't have to reference the player you don't even have to reference the team but just something to show how they train on how they train at the, at the lodge with an idea of who they're playing next um, we did see the doubling up of, the, of Davies and Tanganga which is an insight we want there's no need to worry about a striker because they've got two right wingers so go there don't worry about um, being pushed to the full back side so why can't we see some of this like why was what was ta- how was Tanganga prepared to play against Mane you know I mean what's the damage in showing us that but yeah so I, I mean I'm clutching at straws to find good things in this episode That's- how about you Nathan any thoughts um, I mean I watched all three episodes together last night um, they sort of blend together I have thoughts on the experience as a whole but I guess I probably want to save them for the final episode okay so we shall leave it there you've been listening to The Extra Inch Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.